Hello and welcome to the Unfuck Your Biz podcast, a show for creatives to encourage and inspire through actionable legal, tax, money, and business topics. I'm Braden Drake, an author, lawyer, tax pro, and educator. If you are ready to get your legal and tax shit legit, you are in the right place. But before we fully dive in, here is a quick word from my sponsors. Oh, hey there. Quick question for you before we dive into the episode. Do you know if your hiring practices are compliant under your state's laws? This is something that I've been talking about on the podcast for the past couple of weeks, and it's something that I'm going to be talking to some of my students about in the next couple of weeks. I've just created a new course called Unfuck Your Hiring, which is going to be a mini course to help you determine what the contractor laws are in your state and how you can properly onboard contractors and subcontractors into your business. So if you're interested in joining the program, it's going to be really short. We're going to go through it in one week, starting the week of Monday, June 26th. It is $100. There's uh, three little modules of course recordings. You can go through those in about an hour, and then we're going to do three live Q&As. So you'll get the Contractor Compliance Framework Training. That's what I've named the framework that I'm teaching to you in the program. And then we will discuss how to properly onboard your contractors, and you will also get a contractor agreement template. So this is the contract you need to send to onboard your contractors. So again, it's $100. It's going to be really, really fun. We already have about five people signed up. Um, I imagine we'll get, you know, a few more. Hopefully you are one of those people. And if you are interested in learning more, you can check it out in the show notes. So hop on over, sign up, and I will see you in class. Well, hello there and welcome back to the podcast. As always, this is your host, Brayden. And on today's episode, we are continuing with the second episode in our contract series. So what we've kind of been doing or what I decided to start doing a couple months ago is to do the podcast in series now. So we did a hiring series for most of the month of June. We're going to be doing this contract series really for the whole month of July. I think we're going to move to taxes next, but let me know what you want to learn about. And to get that started last week, I interviewed my friend tonight all about her contract process. So if you haven't listened to that episode, I think that really teed up this conversation really well. We talked a lot about scope creep and scope of services and payment, and that's what I'm going to be diving into in more detail on this episode and in next week's episode. From there, we'll get into some other contract tips and stuff as well. Okay, so the reason why I wanted to start with scope of services is because, in my opinion, this is probably one of the two most important parts of the contract, right? Like typically we enter a contract because we're going to be either selling something to someone or we're going to be providing them a service and in exchange, they're going to pay us. So the contract needs to define what it is we're giving to that person and what that person is giving to us. Like most likely if you were going to like write a handwritten contract on a napkin there are actually like examples of this in my law school textbook, which I cracked open like just for fun to prepare for these podcast episodes. Or if you were going to type something up like on a simple one pager and you knew nothing about contract law or you didn't have a template, what you would probably write is just the name of the parties and scope of services and payment terms. Like you might not call it that, but you would say 
you know, this contract is between Brayden and Michelle and Brayden agrees to provide this service. Brayden agrees to sell his house in exchange. Michelle will pay Brayden this amount of money, right? Certain contracts are required to be a little bit more sophisticated like that, like purchases of a home, but you get the picture. So this is where I want to start. And believe it or not, a lot of people get these provisions wrong because there's a lot at stake here, right? I think most of us can agree that scope creep is a very real thing for pretty much every business owner, particularly those in service-based businesses. And what I mean when I say scope creep is when you tell a client or a client agrees that you'll do one thing, and then the client asks you to do another thing, or you decide, well, I can't really do this thing without also doing this other thing. And now before you know it, you're providing more services than what A, the contract originally considered, and B, more than what you're being compensated for. We don't want that, right? You want to get paid for everything that you're providing to the client. So this is why the scope needs to be super, super clear in your contract. Also consider if you have multiple packages or offerings, in which case you need to be very careful that you're limiting scope. So for example, if you provide, like I'll use Denite as an example, since I interviewed Denite on the, on the podcast last week, if Denite offers like, um, a bronze, the Olympics are coming up. So we'll say like a bronze, silver, and gold package. Don't know that I recommend those names, but you get the picture, right? So you would expect the bronze package to be the lowest in cost with the least amount of services, the gold package to be the highest in cost. What Denite would want to do is she would probably want to have three different contract templates. Each of those templates would outline those services. You start with a template and then you tweak it as needed for each client. And what you really want to make sure that you don't do is end up providing some of those things in the silver package if someone only pays for the bronze package, right? You get started and they might say, oh, well, um, I really need you to do this additional page for my website, or can we also do this page? And you might say, well, that's in the higher package that you didn't pay for. Well, what happens in that circumstance? A few different things that you can do. What I also, what I want to do on this podcast is I'm going to share an example with you. So I reached out to my friend, Jody. Uh, Jody was my book coach when I wrote my book. If you don't have a copy of the book yet, go grab you one. But Jody is also a member of my business mastermind that tonight is also in. So the three of us get to hang out every month. Super, super fun virtually on Zoom. But I remembered when I read Jody's contract, when she, when I hired her to help me with my book. And I remember thinking that it was very, very clear. And I told her at the time, I wanted to use your contract as an example on my podcast sometime. So that time is now we're going to look at, I'm going to read you Jody's scope of services portions of her contract. So this contract says Jody Brandon editorial client name, Braden Drake. That's me project title unfuck your biz. That's the name of our book and the scope of work. Super, super simple. This is what her scope of work says. This package includes line editing text to correct spelling, punctuation, grammar, and usage. God knows I needed help with that, right? That's what I hired her for stylistic editing for clarity, flow, cohesiveness, tone, and readability consistent styling of elements such as numbers, capitalization, and hyphenation, title suggestions for subheadings and chapters. This package does not include manuscript for formatting or fact-checking. So this is super helpful. 
right? Jody's not an attorney. Jody's not a tax professional. She's telling me, hey, I'm not going to read this and fact check it for you. I'm not going to read it and make sure that all of the math that you've done is correct or that all of the citations that you've provided are to the correct IRS resources, like sources. No, she's editing it to make sure that it has proper grammar, that it's clear to the reader, that it's consistent in its styling, and that it has good titles, right? So I know what the general scope of work is. And then um, usually I would encourage you to have more of a scope of work to go into the detailed process. But Jody does that in a separate paragraph, which I think is great. She has a paragraph called editorial process. And Jody writes, this package includes two editing passes and one final proofread after the book has been formatted as follows. So I know that Jody's going to be reading this at least three times. Jody will edit the manuscript, manuscript using track changes in Microsoft Word or suggesting in Google Docs and return it with comments slash queries to client. Client will review the manuscript, accept or reject Jody's changes answer comments and queries and return the manuscript to Jody for a second pass edit. Jody will again edit the manuscript, manuscript, I don't know why I keep mispronouncing that word, using track changes and return it with comments and queries to client. So it's a little bit redundant, right? But that's actually good because the main thing with contracts is you want to be clear. So I know that when we're doing like writing in college, we're writing a paper, maybe we're writing a blog post, we want to prevent our writing from being boring, right? So we're not going to say literally the same thing in two sentences. Contract drafting is different though, right? This isn't creative writing. <laughs> like we don't need to be concerned about whether it's captivating or a joy to read. It just needs to be clear. And this is why I wanted to provide Jody's example. Like, is it like Jody's a writer herself, right? Like she's written a book. She helps people edit books. If she wanted to turn this into a work of creative writing, she could, but she understands the assignment. That's not what this is for. And so she uses very simple language. Like as I'm reading this to you, you can all probably follow along and understand it. A lot of the times with a lot of contracts, if I sat here and read a contract out loud to you, you would not be able to understand it. And that's not good, right? There is a certain amount of legalese we need to have in our contracts, but that typically doesn't belong in a scope of services provision. So the last sentence of her editorial process paragraph says, after the book has been formatted, but before printing slash publication, Jody will proofread the manuscript. So if I was going to provide any kind of critical feedback to Jody, I would probably have her expand on what exactly does proofread mean. Um, I'm going to go ahead and interpret that Jody's not saying that she's going to send it back to me to get any feedback. The final, it's like the first two passes she's doing is doing changes asking me questions, we're going to iron out some stuff, right? And then on the third pass, she's like, we're not doing that. Like, I'm not here to ask you questions. It should be perfectly clear at this point. The last third reading is just to proofread. But we could expand on that a little bit in this contract if we wanted to. Then what I was going to tell you is uh, in the editorial process, I think it would also be really good for Jody to give deadlines. But she does that and another paragraph called the project schedule. So her project schedule says manuscript delivery, August 3rd, 2020. So this was all last year. First pass edit return to client on or before August 21st, 2020. Manuscript edit review call, TBD. And then she has dates for second pass edit, second pass edit return to client and proofread, TBD. So 
really the biggest improvement I could give to this. I already think that it's, you know, like really pretty clear, but Jody could probably have some more clear deadlines in here with regard to when the client has to have the documents to Jody or the manuscript to her. Right. So I know when I'm going to get her edits, but I have to review her edits. Right. So I have to review the edits. I have to accept or reject them. I have to answer any questions that she has and then she's going to go through it again. So she has the date in which she'll go through it again. But what she doesn't really have is by when she needs to have the manuscript back from me, right? So I would imagine that all of Jody's clients are very eager to get their work done. I know that I was. I tend to get everything done pretty quickly. But some other people might not be like that. Like maybe they only get the manuscript back to her two days before she's supposed to have the second pass done. And now she might be contractually obligated to get that done in two days, which would be a really tight turnaround, right? Um, and again, this was just my contract that I had with Jody. It may have been like a little bit more lax since we're really good friends, but that would be the biggest takeaway. And so just to kind of summarize here, she had her scope of work really in three different sections, scope of work, process, and schedule. You could do that as well. You could put it all within one paragraph with subparagraphs. It doesn't really make a huge difference. Again, we're just going after clarity. So whatever you think would be most clear to the reader is good. All right. Once you have your scope of services provision really dialed in, the next thing you need to consider is scope creep. So we mentioned that up at the top of the episode. How do you prevent that? Well, obviously by narrowly defining the scope in the contract, but it's inevitable that you're going to have clients who are going to ask you to do things that are outside of the scope. And, you know, a really easy option would just be to tell them no, but A, that could piss off your client potentially, depending on what they're asking, and B, it might hamper your ability to make more money, right? So the solution usually isn't just to say no, but it's also not to just say yes and do it you want to be compensated, right? So if they ask for additional services that's not within the original scope, tell them that you can do it for X amount of money if it's something that you provide, right? So back to tonight's example, she talked a lot about um, an SEO service that she used to provide that now she only provides to clients. Maybe she decides that she doesn't want to do that at all. So if the client says, hey, can we SEO, SEO optimize these blog posts? She might say yes, but it'll be additional. It will be an additional price because it wasn't in our original scope. Or she might say, we don't provide that service, but I can provide you a referral. So first of all, consider if this is something that you A, should be doing or B, want to be doing at all. Second, if it is something that you want to be doing, then figure out how you can address this preemptively in your original contract. I always recommend doing this with a provision that I call an additional services provision. So what is going to happen if the client requests additional services from you that's not in the original scope? And there are a few different ways you can handle this. Denight said that she has a pricing list in her contract. So additional services, if you request me to design an additional page for your website, this is how much we charge for a specified page with a certain number of sections. This is how much we charge for SEO optimization for a single page if she was going to be providing that. This is how much we would charge for an additional logo design or you know any kind of mock-up or whatever. And that's, that is a great option if you have 
add-ons that you're regularly that are regularly regularly requested of you. This is also a great place to put anything that's in the packages that they didn't purchase, right? So again, if we go back to the bronze, silver, gold package, anything that's added to those higher packages that they did not pay for, you already know that those are potential things that people could want to add on later. And sometimes I know people get frustrated when their clients request additional services because they're like, oh my God, I thought I just had this wrapped up. But I always feel like that's one of the best compliments, right? Because you got started, you're trying to, you know, you're probably trying to sell your client on the biggest package. And they're like, I don't, I don't think I can fully commit to it. It's a lot of money, right? But then they get started. And from their perspective, they're like, oh my God, this is amazing. I love the the work this person is doing. Like I probably should have just fully invested from the outset, right? Like some of those things I really wanted. So typically... I find when someone is asking for additional services, you should really take it as a compliment because it means they're loving what you're doing and they want more stuff, right? That's not always the case. Sometimes we have the pain in the ass client who just doesn't think that you're doing enough. Um, that's kind of a different scenario, right? But if you have a client who wants more because they're loving your work, then maybe you go ahead and have a pricing list for all the other stuff that you know that you could be doing for them. Anything else that could be less predictable there are two ways you can handle it. Uh, you could say that prices are determined upon request, and that can also be your blanket provision, right? If you don't want to have a pricing list. This is something I've done for many a clients. You just say, if client requests anything that's outside of the scope of services under this contract, then client may request that service, contractor, company, designer, whatever your defined term is, will provide a quote for that request at which point the parties can determine if they want to enter into an addendum to this contract or enter into a new, a new contract, right? So that's your very, very blanket general provision. The other option is to have a provision that specifies that anything that they request that's beyond the scope will be charged at you know a certain hourly rate. So $70 an hour, $80 an hour, whatever. A few different ways you can do it. You can also use all three of those in a mixture, depending on what they're asking for. And that could be a good way to go about it. One of the, one of the additional services I gave as an example in the last podcast was um, Instagram icons. So this came to my mind because I was just thinking the other day, I think that I want to change my, the little icons that use for Instagram story highlights. And I normally get those from Canva, but I'm also very particular about my brand. And if I did a rebrand, that's probably something that I would request for them to do, right? For most, well, like for most experienced designers, they could probably knock those out pretty quickly. But if it's, you know, it's something that I would be uh, liable to forget to mention when we're doing our client onboarding. So if I mention it later, I would expect them to charge me accordingly. I would also expect that that would only take them an hour or two. And depending on their hourly rate, like I probably would not pay more than a hundred, maybe like $150 for it. So if they said it's going to cost you 300, I would probably just say no, thank you. Right. And that's okay. That's how business works, right? Okay, so that's all I have to say about scope of services. I hope this was helpful. Um, I hope it also encouraged you to revisit your scope of services provisions and your additional services provisions to make sure that they're up to speed, easy to read, and ready to be sent out to clients. On next week's podcast episode, we're going to dig a little bit more into pricing. So that will be fun. Before I wrap this up all the way, I do want to let you know I have some special offers happening this month just for contracts. If you're on my email list, you should have already gotten an email or two about it. 
But what I'm doing is I'm running a special live round of my program, Unfuck Your Contracts. What that is, it's kind of a course, but it's really just a contract template bank. So I have a whole bank of contract templates. I show you how to pull them together and customize them to update your own contract or to create a new contract from scratch. And there's all sorts of other templates in there as well. And what we'll be doing is starting the first week of August, um, we will be running a live round of Unfuck Your Contracts. I'm only opening this up to 10 people because I want to make sure that there's like plenty of time for me to work with everyone. So I'm assuming by the time this podcast releases, there will still be spots open for that, but go check it out. Um, this link should be unfuckyourcontracts.com, but we'll put it in the show notes. And then also, if you're like, Brayden, I don't want to deal with that. I just want your help with my contract. I'm also taking five one-on-one contract drafting clients this month as well. So just this month, I'm going to be doing a few individual contract drafting projects. So message me if you're interested in that. You can DM me on Instagram or shoot me an email, uh, post in my Facebook group. Either way, we can get in touch And that's all for this episode. So I'll be back in your podcast app for the next one. Have a good one. Hey there, before you go, I wanted to give a quick thanks. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. If you loved it, I would love for you to take a screenshot of the episode or snap a quick selfie while you are listening. Share it on social and give me a tag. It'll help other kick-ass entrepreneurs like yourself find the show. That's it for today. I'll be back soon with a new episode. Meanwhile, let's roll up our sleeves and unfuck that biz.